Uh, me and Pringle, this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty, where we help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we'd like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this podcast, we'll be exploring our predictions for the loyalty market in 2021. To help me explore this fascinating subject, I'm joined by most of the New World Loyalty team for once for a team scrum, where we'll hopefully help us narrow down our predictions for the next 12 months. So to help us in this, I'm joined by Adam Posner. Hi, Adam. Hi, Ian. And Alan Lyers from the UK. Hi, Adam. Alan. Evening, Ian. And uh, Craig Grimshaw from New Zealand. Hi, Craig. G'day, Ian. G'day, everyone. And uh, David Canty from Atlanta. Hi, Dave. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Brilliant. And Joanne Ward from Canada. Hi, jo- Joanne. Hi there. Mark Ross-Smith from Malaysia. Hi, Mark. Hey, Ian. Uh, Phil Gunter again from Australia. Hi, Phil. Good morning, Ian. And uh, Stuart Dennis from Australia too. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Ian. Hi, listeners. Great. So we've got a big cast for today. So what we're going to do is we're going to go each round, each of us, and for two minutes we're going to give two predictions for the future. We're going to try and make it quick and snappy, and then we're going to have a vote at the end to see between us what we think amongst us is the is the front runners. So, Adam, do you want to kick us off with your predictions for 2021? Yeah, cheers, Ian. Thanks, everybody, and hello. Um, so my two points of passion for 2021 um, in two minutes is uh, to get programs to solve problems. So not just points and perks and birthdays. Uh, new programs need to look for customer problems to solve, add more utility to the lives of customers, look for problems in the world that they can connect to their programs, charity, causes, the environment, but fundamentally, if programs are going to last, they've got to go beyond the the, the normal, uh, the bland, the boring um, points and perks and stuff like that. So that's my first one. And then uh, my second is uh, something that, uh, in fact, you, Ian, have also posted recently is this these moments of joyalty and, oh, I and love, lifting loyalty. I love loyalty. that joyalty stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just, clients love it. Everyone loves it. They get it. Um, and they're starting to do it. So how can we pull more of that emotion into our, our programs, into that experience, and just to live, lift the emotion and the joyalty. So my prediction is that because I'm out there pontificating about this joyalty, I see uh, it's starting to happen more and more, and clients are realizing that. So those are my two points of passion for 2021 um, and predictions that programs will start to solve more problems. And secondly, will find ways to create more joyalty within the program experience. So cheers for this opportunity, Ian, and I'm looking forward to everybody else's ideas. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Adam, for getting us started. So, Alan, what about you? What are your two for 2021? Hello, everybody. And uh, if you're listening to this before Christmas, happy Christmas. If it's after Christmas, happy New Year. A couple of, I've got my two. One, and actually, it is a little bit sort of airline focused, but there's nothing wrong with that because airline, I get airline programs, I guess, pioneered pretty much everything that's going on in the loyalty space, particularly around points-based earning and redemption. And I think um, something's going to really take off in 2021 is actually enabling members to customise their experience through paying a fee. And now fee-based programmes aren't new. Paying a fee for a better service isn't new. But actually, weirdly, when it comes to airlines in particular, who have pioneered giving members and customers the opportunity to customise their flying experience, it's a pretty static opportunity in relation to the loyalty programmes. I mean, obviously, if you fly a lot, you end up in the elite um, uh, categories, but never that's never more than, let's say, around 10% of members. So the proposition is, and I think the, the idea is that 
actually, why can't you customize your loyalty experience just like you can customize your flying experience? And of course, if you apply that to other industries, I mean, our friends, again, nothing new, but Amazon Prime, even though it's not a loyalty program, it sort of is. You pay a fee, you get a better service, you get perks. So what I guess my prediction for number one, uh, my number one prediction for 2021 is that you're going to see airlines, especially because they're going to want to have more sticky customers or they compete for a, basically a, a larger share of a smaller wallet. You're going to see the opportunity to actually customize your loyalty experience coming along through fee-based services. My next prediction is um, actually our, our good friends, digital banks, neo banks, are going to have to figure out a way of making money. As we know, that's been a huge, massive um, uh, upsurge of new digital banks built around a, a much more fluid and frictionless customer experience. And the strategy so far has been acquire customers, acquire customers. So there are lots and lots of banks all over the world, developed world in particular, have acquired millions of customers and they don't make any money. And at some point, the shareholders are going to go, right, where's the beef? So I think a big change for the neo bank and digital bank business models, particularly those banks that want to appeal to premium customers, they're going to get into the points business. They're also going to get into, actually, touch upon my first point, they're going to also introduce new ways of actually customizing the banking experience through annual fees. But I think points, and even though it's not new, and even though it's not that sexy, particularly for a high tech company, we all know what premium customers want, and they want access to premium rewards. So my second prediction is that actually the biggest growth in non-travel loyalty will come out of digital banks in 2021. Perfect. Thanks, Alan. And um, Craig, how about, how about you? Yeah, thanks, Ian, and thanks, everyone, and welcome listeners to yet another scintillating pod- podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, I've got, uh, funnily enough, two things. Uh, the first one, what I'm seeing is with the rise of GDPR, the impact of data privacy regulations increasing significantly over a lot of countries, particularly with the rise of uh, hacks into databases and cybersecurity issues, that the data is going to be the key thing. And the access to customer relevant data, first party data, is going to become more and more fundamental for companies to enable relevant personalized conversations. The inability to leverage third party data is just going to cause significant heartache for companies. And how do they get around it? They need to, one of the options they need to look at is the utilization of loyalty programs and making, lifting, if they've got one already, lifting the um, profile of it internally to make it a far more important component of its, um, of the business. And that then puts an onus on the loyalty program leader to ensure that they're continually providing um, insights internally around the relevance of the proposition and also engaging really significantly with their customers to ensure ongoing engagement. So loyalty programs will become even more important to uh, customers and to and even more so to businesses. The second point is with the impact of COVID and significant financial and economic implications that it's had on uh, nearly every country in the world, there's been redundancies made which may have been um, either broad brush or targeted. Uh, it's it Typically, the marketing department is one of the first to get hit. And as a result, there's the lack of resources then in place in play to manage and operate loyalty programs internally, which will then put a requirement on businesses as a result of loyalty programs being even more important, 
they'll need more assistance to drive the loyalty program and have expert consultants in play and expert outsourced agencies to support them on that on that journey and providing customer relevant propositions and that's where the 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 likes of ourselves as well as other people will come into play but they're the two predictions loyalty programs will become even more important and businesses will need more assistance to manage them and operate them perfect thanks craig um dave canty Hey, Ian, um, and to all of our listeners, uh, wishing everyone um, in every nation around the world a very safe, healthy, and happy Christmas and a very prosperous 2021. Um, so my predictions for 2021 is a shift uh, in focus of um, where loyalty programs are, are going to become a little bit more prevalent. Um, I do think that um, loyalty needs to get much more in touch with the big uh, ticket items of everyday life, uh, whether that be around housing, rent, mortgage, health, uh, and healthcare. Um, I do think that consumers are now starting to ensure those are the big things that, that they focus on uh, from a budget perspective every single month. And I think that uh, loyalty programs need to ensure that they're in touch with what those uh, big ticket items are and make sure that we're rewarding customers for, for that, those types of uh, payments. So I do see a big shift in focus there. I think that um, that may be tied to some of the, um, the banking uh, solutions that are out there as well. So we'll see what uh, evolves. Um, I also think, so that's my, my big prediction for 2021, is a shift towards those types of programs. My second um, uh, shift, I think, is established brands need to, to start realizing um, that their programs have to evolve um, and become much more relevant to the Gen Z uh, population. So Gen Z is going to represent over 40% of all consumers in the United States by the end of this year. Now that's, that's an extraordinary number. Um, and what we're going to find certainly in the travel space is uh, boomers and uh, Gen Xers will be changing their travel uh, habits on a go forward basis, certainly as we reemerge from COVID and the pandemic. And I think that the programs that have been established for many years that have appealed to those generations need to start looking at how they can evolve and become much more relevant to the younger generation. Um, in my studies up to this point, uh, certainly in my previous roles, I looked at um, the generational shifts in the hospitality space, for instance. And most of the hospitality companies are over dependent on customers that are over 50 years of age. Um, that needs to be a big red flag within those organizations. So everything that they can do to evolve the program and stay relevant, I think is gonna be hugely important. So there you go, um, a focus on more everyday life and um, generational shifts. Thanks then, Dave. And uh, Joanne? Great, thanks, Ian. Um, yeah, one of the predictions I have is that um, uh, credit card partners are going to have more influence and more negotiating power uh, with their airline uh, frequent flyer programs. Why? Uh, well, the main reason is because that revenue 
is so much more important uh, in this in this environment. Um, if you look at 2021, I had a saying, you know, tra- travel's not really going to be coming back very quickly, probably about 50% uh, of the levels we saw in 2019. So the revenue that's coming in from the credit cards is is really important to the airline, which means those credit card partners now have um, a bit more influence with um, with the programs themselves. So I think we're going to see things like, you know, maybe some of the benefits, the soft benefits that the airline can provide improving for those uh, cards. Um, maybe even the reward value proposition, um, you know, giving giving better pricing to um, valuable credit card members. Um, and just to kind of put it in perspective, you look, you know, Probably about 80 to 90% of ancillary revenues that airlines bring in are from the cards. Um, you've, you know, we've seen United and American um, leveraging their programs uh, to help um, get themselves out of financial difficulties this year. And you know, some of those partnerships have now been extended uh, into the longer term, like United just extended their Chase Visa partnership through to 2029. Um, and Delta actually even publicly said that with their extension with Amex, um, they're expecting to get another $7.9 billion per year by 2023. So um, overall, I just think that, you know, in, in this environment of, of lower travel demand and, and less airline revenues coming in, the partners are going to um, be able to, to help improve their card products, um, you know, working with the airline loyalty programs. And then the second uh, prediction kind of ties in, but it's just looking at loyalty status qualification. Um, uh, Dave touched on it a little bit and just in terms of, you know, the importance of everyday um, transactions and activities in a program are going to become more important. And I think in this case as well, um, we're going to see more programs giving... um, more weight to credit card spend than in the past as a, as a way to qualify for status. Uh, if you look at in the hotel side, I mean, there already are a lot of hotel co-brand cards that just give automatic status um, when you have a certain card or you have a minimum spend. Um, Air Canada Aeroplan just, just launched an everyday spend qualification for next year uh, to get the 25K status. And I think there's going to be other airlines, um, you know, sometime, you know, probably in early in early in the year, maybe enhancing um, options for people to be able to get status, not just from flying, but from their everyday spend activities on the card, since it also is it's win win for them as well, because it 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 should, uh, you know, if they can incentivize people to use the card more, um, that that also helps them on the revenue side. So it's that's... amazing. It's, it's amazing those numbers you said. You know, seven point nine billion per year yeah. for a United, and yet in, the, in in Europe with the with the interchange rulings, um, where where interchange is limited to 30, 30 basis points um, for credit card spend, it's just a huge headwind for the airlines in the Europe. Yeah. You know that the that the, the Europe that the American airlines have a huge advantage over the European airlines in that space, and it's a big shot. I think it's a big shot in the foot from the European Union what they've done there, because it really that the lack of support, the amount of support that the American airlines have got from interchange is just out, is, is 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 so important at this time. 
Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you see, I mean, I mean, South America as well, it's, it, you know, it's also super important. I mean, if you look right now, Goal is trying to get smiles back in house. And, and I'm sure one of the main reasons is so that they actually can, can have all that revenue, uh, you know, coming into the airline and not just 50%, you know, because they own 50% right now. But yeah, certainly Europe is, is the, the airlines, uh, it, it's definitely not the same situation. Hmm. Is that a, is that an opportunity for the UK based airlines with the uh, uh, in, impending Brexit, Ian? Well, I don't think. I mean, it's a big question. Uh, who who knows? But I I don't think that um, that many governments are into making um, you know putting more costs on consumers. So I think I think that boat sailed. But it's a it's it's a difficult one. Um, because, but I, I just think it was a. It, 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 there was lots of. It, it's another podcast altogether about the history of, of interchange in Europe. But um, it's. A, I think it's been a been a real disadvantage for the European airlines. That's for sure. Um, so, Mark, can you? Um, how about you for this? Well, how, how? What are your two predictions for twenty twenty one? Thanks, Ian. Uh, I think two thousand twenty one will be a monster year for loyalty. I think we're going to see some major shifts in the industry. So, my top two are both airline. Firstly, I think. Airline loyalty programs will start acquiring new companies. And this is more so for loyalty programs that are already split out into a separate entity. Uh, so a bit of background, the way that the market values uh, these split off loyalty companies today is more in line with a media company or a technology company, which tend to attract higher valuations, typically the 10 to 30 times profit earnings ratio compared to an airline, which at best trades somewhere between five eight, maybe 10 times uh, ratio. So what this means is uh, a dollar of profit in a loyalty company can be worth double or triple an enterprise value that of a dollar of profit in an airline company. So I think we'll start to see uh, a couple of, maybe the bigger loyalty programs start acquiring smaller businesses, profitable businesses, and act something like a, sort of like a roll-up company, where they acquire a bunch of these profitable businesses, pull them together, um, there's operational and cash saving synergies, um, the sort of market prote- protection mechanisms that come into play. Um, and, and that will be a deliberate strategy to build up and scale up the, the loyalty company. The second uh, prediction I have is that airlines and hotels will add uh, new status tiers into the program. And this is because every um, airline hotel loyalty program has extended status already. Um, for at least next year, some even for the year after. And so the, the key key in a year from now will be how do we retain those members? Because from a status perspective today, nobody has incentive to fly because you've already got that tier locked in the bank for next year. So programs have effectively cut off that gamification element and the revenue that comes along with that. So the question becomes, how do you encourage members to fly outside of um, outside of the traditional means and there needs to be like, like a carrot and stick mechanism there and the, there's no pain because they're, they're not going to drop in status and so you need that sort of you need the carrot in front of them what's what's there to gain and if the program was to add a new tier a new new super tier for example then that is something that members can start aiming towards again and 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 sort of kickstart that that gamification element of the program that's my two predictions. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, sir, Mark. And uh, Phil, how, how about you? Okay. Well, mine, sadly, are also in travel and very similar. So I'll, I'll touch on um, 
a follow-up on Mark. So I also see um, there's going to be some big impacts on the fact that all the travel programs or most travel programs have, have extended their status. I think it's going to play out in a different way. I think there's going to be an absolute frenzy of status match campaigns early in the year. They've, they've already started. Um, Qatar went first, Frontier next. Um, in this part of the world, Qantas went and then very quickly Virgin responded. And I think um, early next year, there's going to be a lot of, of airlines um, just because, as Mark said, there's no, there's no reason for people to continue to fly with the, their normal program. So they're open for, uh, for attraction. And it's, for me, the question is not whether there's a status match frenzy, but how they do it. Will they go the traditional way, such as the Qatar way, which was an awful process? I tried it, gave up after two months of pain and frustration. Or will they go the Frontier way, where it's a really, really quick process? It was over and done within a couple of days, um, but they charged a fee. And I think that's genius. That fee stops all the tire kickers. And I, I just think that there's a 50% chance that that's going to be the new model. Second, as things get back to normal, uh, it might take a while, but I do think the, the flight shame is going to come back with a vengeance. Um, and airlines are on their knees, uh, but they're going to need to do something. And I think they're going to turn to their frequent flyer programs to do something. So good programs will find a way of being able to reduce the guilt, because that's what people want. They want to reduce the guilt of flying. They don't want to stop flying um, in a commercially sensible way that improves the engagement. And there's a, I think there's a sweet spot there where the programs will become even more relevant um, to, to support their frequent flyers, but at the same time, removing a big problem. Going back to Adam's thing, it will remove a problem for the airlines. So my two, status match, match frenzy and flight shaming return, returning with a vengeance solved by the frequent flyer. Great. Thanks, Phil. And uh, Stuart, how about you? Yeah, well... I'm going to play a bit of uh, bar humbug, Uncle Scrooge. I think everyone else has been too positive, and Phil at least has been a bit, a little bit more negative. So, um, uh, boo, my first one is, boo. My, my first one is status stops the Rona. Uh, so basically, status was invented years ago to, you know, for elitism to let people stay clear of the great unwashed travellers that don't know what they're doing when they travel through an airport. If you go through every day, you want to stay well clear of everyone else. You want to go through the fast, uh, you know, um, check-in lines, fast security lines, get into that lounge, you get into that safe room where you're locked away from everyone else. So status stops coronavirus because uh, basically it's going to be more about safety and security for travellers. So use, airlines should use status to uh, in the loyalty program to leverage that aspect of uh, safety, security, and, and better health. So, um, so that's my first prediction. It's going to be very simple and, and more about that. Uh, second one is a little bit picking up on what a few others have said uh, around cash is king. Um, Joanne hinted on it with you know a lot of the big airline programs using you know realizing the cash and the credit card partners. 90, 95% of airlines out there have got no idea. And um, most of the CFOs in those airlines will just simply focus on hotel programs, um, you know, car rentals. will focus on ticket sales, you know, cash coming in over the counter. Um, they, they'll forget about the loyalty partnerships and the generation of cash and how cash works through a loyalty program. Most people don't understand profit and loss, balance sheet and cash flow and the differences between them when they come to look at their loyalty programs. They look at a P&L, 
or they look at simply billing being a cause for revenue. So uh, unless you understand your accounting uh, and your accounting assumptions, most people will get it wrong. They'll forget about the loyalty program, leave, leave the loyalty program to do a bit of spam email marketing, and they'll focus on trying to sell tickets, and that will be it. Brilliant. Well, thanks, that's, thanks that's Stuart. Um, if anyone didn't know, Stuart's our finance expert and likes to rain on everyone's parade when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to oh, but, but he's great at parties, is, is the thing. So um, <laughs> All our successful um, programs are because of us. Anything that has gone south is because of uh, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that leaves me. So I've got my two. So the two I would like to go with are... Um, the COVID winners will rush to loyalty. I think everyone's seen a big, a big famine and feast in the, in 2020, where the the companies that have done well have done very well, and the companies that have done badly have done very, very badly. And I think the winners, the people that have seen 20, 30, 50, 100 percent uplift in sales during during 2020, they're going to have a funny challenge in 2021 because they're going to be saying, well, how do I shore up my customers? How do I ensure that? I can turn around to my stakeholders and say that I haven't lost 30, 40, 50, 100% of my transactions. So I think those industries like home delivered food or DIY or essential services will be looking to say, how can I keep my customers and how can I maintain that revenue? Um, So I think there will be a rush to loyalty for those brands. The second is that um, the open banking in Europe came in two years ago now and um, I think that over that time, people have got used to that technology, that the, the, the fintech companies have, have become more used to how they're going to deal with it, how they're going to find the advantages. And I think 2021 is going to see a huge growth in the, in, in the start of seeing more and more open banking propositions out there. And that will be followed in 2022 by a Darwinian cull of the bad ideas. But I think what will come out of that is some really strong propositions um, and if people don't know, and they'll be based on the two f- fundamentals of, of, of open banking, which is that you're allowed to take direct payments direct from people's bank accounts, which makes payment easier and cheaper. And the second thing is that you get the transaction history of your customers so that you can see where they're spending all of their money, not just with you. And that, that's a huge loyalty advantage to companies that can use those technologies. So that's my two for the year. Done. So thanks then, guys. What we've all done is everyone's had five votes each for their favourites. So now we can reveal the reveal the winners. So let's now see. So number one is more Got moments joyalty. of joyalty. Yeah, so, well to joyalty, guys. I'm loving you. You've just made my day. Joy well done, to the Adam. world. Come on. And Adam has brought joy to the world. The the ones with four votes too. A joint there one was COVID winners rushed to loyalty. And paid loyalty to add choice. So that's come on paid coming in number two. Come on paid, brilliant. And then it's a draw at three votes each for status match frenzy. That was uh, uh, Phil's one. Status stops the Rona, the Corona, which was um, which was Stuart's one. Cash is king by Stuart. So so finance have got two two in the top five here. Well done. With cash is king and and uh, loyalty stops the Rona. <laughs> Shows we're in um, recession when the finances. Yeah, you up know there. what? As a Georgia resident, I uh, I absolutely demand a recount, and we may have to go to three. <laughs> no, no, I'm declaring the winner. I'm on the podium. Sorry. <laughs> Transition again. Um, I won. Got, <laughs> and then we've got airline loyalty will acquire a new airline business, which is real. Uh, uh, so there might be some inf- insider information. That's a good. That's a big one there. So that's. Mm. That's that would be big news if that happened. Um, and then status for credit card spend. So, Joanne, so I think everyone got something in the top five. So so if I go over those again, the, the number one was more moments of joyalty. 
Number two is COVID winners and rush to loyalty along with paid loyalty and, and, and paid loyalty to add choice. And the a joint third was status match frenzy, status stops the corona, cash is king, airline loyalty to acquire non-airline business, and status for credit card spend. And? So, and? And? Oh, sorry, was the was the... Hang on. A shift of focus on housing rent also got three. Oh, and a shift of focus for housing oh, rent. Of course. <laughs> Dave's well done, Dave. Well done, Dave. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, this, my so God. Brilliant. So I think we all had one there in the top. Yeah, he doesn't want to recap now. Doesn't want to recap. The yeah. Americans <laughs> wanting a recap. That's got to be a story for 2020, hasn't it? Well, thank you very much, guys, for spending your time doing that. And I wish all our listeners a happy Christmas. And, and let's just hope that these predictions are, are true for next year and that we don't have another year like we've had for this year. So, Absolutely. A message to all those that were furloughed, hang in there. There's a lot of work ahead and you're all, uh, you all bring value to the table. So hang in there. Thank you for that, David, for that very good point. And on that note, thank you to all our listeners in 2020. And we hope to see you all in better times in 2021. Have a great Christmas and stay safe from all of us here at New World Loyalty. Goodbye now and thanks for listening.